should you decide to accept it? Sally's syphilis smells. <laughs> wow. Popping peas. Peas be popping. Um. Alright. So. Okay, I think we're ready to go. Cool. Um, Ryan, you want to get kick us off? Yeah. So, uh, unique variation on the welcome to uh, the Your Mission pod. We're all in the same bloody room for once. So, yeah. Um, I'm speaking a little higher because apparently that wasn't loud enough. <laughs> Round two. Just feel free to talk. Yeah. Feel free to talk at a... At a Feel free to at talk a medium at an right. elevated volume. Yeah, medium. feel free to talk at not quite. You must normal. project, good yeah. sir. Yeah. Projection. Yeah. That. Like Brian good. Blessed. Good news, everyone. We're back. Yeah, and uh, so the record we're doing this time is my pick, MGMT's record from 2010. Congratulations. So, without further ado. Do I get a congratulations for picking this record nope. this week? I am not gonna contribute to it. that. Uh, I I will give you a thanks for picking this one as opposed to any other MTLP album. <laughs> <laughs> um, Damn, that's harsh. <laughs> no, I mean this is this is well. Okay, granted, I'm not super familiar with MGMT. Um, you know, I heard Electric Feel about forty thousand times several years ago. And I heard the other, what's the other one that they Kids. Kids. I've heard those. Yeah. Weekend Wars. Yeah. I listened to the rest of Oracular Spectacular. I listened briefly to at least one or two of the others, although I can no longer tell you which ones. I'm glad you picked this one. Thank you. Right on. Oh, hey, before I forget, uh, Chris is joining us. Hello. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, Guest appearance. How many, uh, how, so, you know, again, just as a sort of the podcast cop, how many times did you listen to this record? <laughs> uh, about half a dozen times, I think, at okay. this point. All yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, is that enough to comment? I think I, so. I think it's not. It's, I think look, so. it's enough to comment because while I do have a history with the album, about a half a dozen is what I got in. <laughs> so I feel like I got to okay. support the half a dozen. Mark. No, no, no. Okay, fair yeah, enough. But I'm, long time listener, first time contributor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Time. No doubt. Long time caller, first time answer. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely acting on emotion much more than cold hard facts. Well, I don't. You know, this has I, never been a cold hard facts show. Yeah, no, we are not cold hard facts. You know, like, it's never been like a nerdy sort of like, hey, what about this or this angle right. or whatever. At, at best, we're a loose speculation podcast. I would say so, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so... Conjecture. <laughs> Conjecture. Though it is, I will say, it's nice to be able to look at y'all motherfuckers <laughs> and get, like, visual cues. Oh. Yeah. So we're not tripping over each other for the entire podcast. That's yeah, true. you know, I, I fucking hate that shit, dude. You know, get on the fucking teleportation shit like yesterday. You, you know, know what I mean? have we considered a VR podcast? Have we considered? Yeah, well, VR now it's possible it? thanks to Meta, right? Uh, Not the sponsor of this show. Fuck, fuck never his. a sponsor of this show. <laughs> I'm his, holding up the sign. Holding up the his sign. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that dude. Now it's funny. I have already started seeing ads for Meta. Of course. And it's like Jesus Christ, how long have you queued these up? They bought those six months ago. Yeah. yeah. It's it's. Hey, so also horrible. we're in beautiful Austin, Texas, all together, um, yeah. going uh, going to the Levitation. 
Yeah. Music festival. Seen a bunch of fucking amazing shows so far. Yeah. None really? of them MGMT. None of them MGMT. Uh, but Alonzo got the closest yesterday, I think. Like DJ sets. Sure. I, I well, so a lot of Ghost of Pod past bands, yeah. right? Yeah. From yeah, right. Thundercat. Yeah, yeah. Thundercat. We're gonna go. We're gonna go see Thundercat. Right. Um, Holy Wave. Is that, is that it? Holy, Holy Wave. Wave. Holy yeah, Wave. Be tonight too. Yeah. So, so it's a trifecta. And we were gonna do Conan Moccasin, but uh, we're gonna catch him some other time. Yeah. 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 R.I.P. will be missed. Well, I mean, like, R.I.P. from this festival. He's very much alive <laughs> yeah. that R- I know. R.I.F. He's alive. Yeah. <laughs> rest in To be clear. R- R- rest in peace. Rest in New Zealand. <laughs> I meant R.I.P. his show, which is canceled. Yeah, that's a shame. This is how rumors start. Well, I should have been clear. No, it, it's really funny. Like, they added a second show. What? Three days I before know. he canceled both of them. Like, great news. We've added a second. Good news. Great news. We took them both away. That, that damn Jacinda Arden protecting her people. Right. Well, how dare she? And, like, and they're it's fucked so anyway, confusing. too, right? Like, they, they basically admitted that they can't even like, well, control but, it, right? I mean, this is not a pers- uh, public health podcast. <laughs> but, nope, we're, we're in that world. Turns out that's where the dollars are. So that's what we're going to do now. <laughs> Public but basically, health. their standards are much, much higher than any, basically anywhere in the United States, except yeah. maybe Puerto Rico. And what they consider to be an outbreak would be considered, you know, a regular day at school here. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday. What a group, they call a Tuesday. A group of Fox News watchers. Right. right. Like they, yeah, for them, <laughs> like five, five cases of community spread is a big deal. Yeah. Right. And that's laughable to us here. That's true. Um, Good point. You know. Yeah. It's, I like, a, it's mean, like a coven, but a cupboard. <laughs> I, I'm getting into right, the spirit. I, I like definitely, I definitely think that this would be the moment where I close my laptop and walk away. But uh, you can't. Wah, You're here wah. in person. Yeah. Like you, you know. I can walk away, and the microphone will pick me up. <laughs> from the other room. Uh, I, I def- definitely think there was a low point in the pandemic when um, I was just like, should we move to New Zealand? Like, Look, that th- like should I, we? I'd like to think that there were many moments before the pandemic. <laughs> should I move to New Zealand? Well, I don't know. You know, look, like I, I, I mean, to be f- honest, um, I feel like there's like a couple of places on the globe where it's definitely like white people sort of like ideal vac- international vacation, and New Zealand is one of them. Yeah. Yes, it's like Iceland, New Zealand, yeah. Denmark. I'm just trying to think of like you know, and it's it's so like for me like I'm. I feel like there's just a lot of ground to cover way before I want to get to any of those places. This episode also not brought to you by the New Zealand Board of Tourism. Or the Iceland Board of Tourism. Well, yeah, but if anybody <laughs> wants to throw money our way, we will accept it. Yeah. If we'll Iceland wants to like sponsor a pod and pay for our like trip out to Iceland, I'll fucking freeze my ass off. Sure, I'm down. Also, I think Austin owes us oh, some money shark. because we have been hyping it like this entire trip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, think, I mean, listen, Austin doesn't need our help well, that's getting true. hyped. That's yeah, yeah. Also, also, I guess, what are you guys... Yeah, is they'd it, probably it, prefer if we said, like, <laughs> Austin sucks, don't come here. <laughs> what what, what, uh, are, what are you guys' impressions of Austin to, to this point? And we'll get to the record, don't worry. But uh, <laughs> just, What are your impressions of Austin to this point? I mean... Uh, honestly, so far so great. I mean, I, I, I said this a couple times, but not on record yet. So I will say definitively that Austin is one of the few places I've ever been that has fully lived up to the hype. Okay. I mean, the food fantastic, the locales amazing, the venues and the music, which is what it's probably best known for. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Stubbs has been the the mainstay for this festival. Yeah. Absolutely. That oh, great. God, absolutely wonderful, wonderful venue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just been a great trip. There's a lot of positive energy, and now I'm looking for the negative, cynical energy from you guys. I mean, that's what we deliver usually. <laughs> um, no. I mean, look, I'll take you up on it. Um, I mean. I'm spoiled on the traffic situation, and driving anywhere sucks. Um, I don't know. I don't miss living like in between, sandwiched in between apartments, mm-hmm. like staying yeah. in this Airbnb with the paper thin walls. The lack thin. of natural light. Right. <laughs> oh my god, the cacophony last night. Wow. The uh, the regularity with which at 6:45 a.m. every single morning a truck comes and picks up dumpsters and bangs them together. Amazing. Apparently, yeah, yeah. the sound of things. I don't know um, how they're collecting that much trash in every a day, morning. But... We get it once a week. How is this happening yeah, every yeah. single morning? Did you did I don't you all get it. hear the man last night at 3 a.m. who marveled at the wonderment that is an echo? In, a, in an urban canyon. Somehow I, somehow I don't know. He, he woke me up. Yeah. Some guy was walking down the street last night at like 3 a.m. And he he was yelling after somebody. And as soon as he yelled after them, he went, Whoa, my voice is echoing. <laughs> and then proceeded to just holler in the street for about 10 seconds. Nice. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a second. So I think that has more to do with the neighborhood that we're currently in. I think uh, yeah, um, we are that in, might be right. Yeah, in the so, heart of downtown Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I... There are things, many things I cannot hate on, and in fact, I'm happy about. I, the weather, coming from oh. where we came from, the weather is a welcome change. I am happy that it is all sun and, you know, mostly warm. I think that our location is super convenient to, like, you know, it could have been worse. Um, mm-hmm. The food has not let down in the slightest. Yeah. The food's been incredible. Mm-hmm. The shows have been great. And... As you know, for all you hear about how Texans are, I have to say the people here have been nice. Like sure. the, the staff has been incredible at like most of the places we've gone. I've yeah. been happy about that. People have been more respectful than like the internet would have you believe. But <laughs> yeah. my God, the noise! Like I'm not a city person, and being in and this is not a city to anyone normally, but like being <laughs> I think in Austin is a city. It's not New York. It's not Manhattan. Not, not a big city, but, but yeah. it's there's, enough there's not of a, a lot of those out west, the proximity yeah. is and the noise is much is a little bit much for me and I will now go retire with my slippers <laughs> I, the one thing I'll argue is that like it seems a little tricky to find a halfway decent late night bar that is not on fucking 6th well, street again I think that has something to do with where we're at right yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, like it seems that like pretty like obvious to drive to Marisa right? said that they call that what dirty the six? dirty six <laughs> yeah. she says yeah my cousin who's been here for about seven years says that she hasn't been to sixth uh, since she since before she could legally drink. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. fair. It, it's a fair decision. Uh, I would do the same if I lived here. Staying within walking distance of the places we're trying to catch these shows. Worth it. If somebody could just open up a, like a reasonable bar on like, like a, 4th Street, just like, a like anything yeah, that's right there. I just, I want off, yeah. I want away from the crowd that is 6th Street, but I do want like a drink at like 12 at night. Yeah, that would be and cool. Like, and then, you know, I'm, I was spoiled by, you know, living in Philly for so long where yeah. it's basically impossible not to find like one of those kind bar. of bars. Yeah. Well, just one of yeah. those kind of bars, yeah. you know, where like you're not going to be fucking bothered and like you can get a drink. And yeah, I feel like we, like, like we have to work too hard to, find, to solve that problem. Um, yeah. I will that. say I think that that might be uh, a symptom of something else that we discussed with my cousin, which is, you know, 
famously, Austin's kind of catchphrase is keep Austin weird. Yeah. And I feel like Austin maybe stopped being as weird as it used to be about 10 years ago. Yeah. Or, like overestimating its weirdness. It's, yeah. well, uh, yeah, or it just kind of lost, has lost a bit of its identity in that sense to development and like, you know, outside influence. Yeah. There's like giant WeWork buildings and like yeah, EF yeah, yeah. tours and like all these like major conglomerates yeah. um, have a presence here now. And I don't think that that used to be the case 10 or 15 years ago. So I will say that that is a bit of a of a shame. Is like I'm, I'm definitely missing out on what made Austin weird in the past. Well, so, and and you know to to address like one of the dudes that was running a food truck, a shawarma food truck that we stopped at the other night was saying exactly that, yeah. right? Like that they used to have a couple food trucks set up around town, and those areas have been developed, and the food trucks have been run off, and uh, really fun festival that we took advantage of a few years ago when we were here was Truck by Truck West, which was like, <laughs> dropped like 200 bucks, and you could go to any truck anywhere in town and get food, and right. like, yeah. like that that apparently doesn't happen anymore, which yeah. is like, it's sad. And what? they're relegated to these little parking lot conglomeration things yeah. instead of kind of being set up wherever. Back, so, okay, back to some positive, right? When we were oh, at, when we I were thought at you wanted Stubbs, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, when we were at Stubbs, uh, the amphitheater next to the barbecue joint where we saw a bunch of the uh, bands, Okay, a couple of things I, I, I kind of recognized or realized. Like, one is, like, I, I kind of was, like, thinking, like, you know, just the nature of the bands we're seeing, like, that it could be, like, uh, a pretty white crowd. Like, just pretty, like, you know, like, yeah. whatever. And it wasn't. That's one of the things I noticed. Like, it was, like, actually a lot of different kinds of people. And that was pretty cool. And then I thought, like, how is that? And then I thought... Well, Austin is where the University of Texas is, right? And like you, you've got kids like all coming from all parts of Texas, and you know we're talking like Houston and Dallas and like the middle of nowhere in West Texas and yeah. everywhere in between. Um, and so, you know, that might account for that on some level, right? And sure. that was that was pretty cool. And there's no venue like that in Albuquerque. Um, not really. I don't know of a venue like that in Albuquerque. Oh, Stubbs, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where it was like open air. Um, it was big. They had a they had some really cool bands that probably would never go to Albuquerque, or yeah. I don't know, would rarely go to Albuquerque. And so, like for me, I kind of thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to bring some of this energy? Yeah. To Albuquerque, because I feel like that Albuquerque music scene is very segregated. Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> well, and and. Morgantown's the same way, right? Like, like there are a few venues, most of them, like, controlled by a handful of people, set up in a, like, smaller area, none of them really open air. Like, there are a couple, like, well, couple things that'll <laughs> happen at, like, the waterfront or something like that, or there's, used to. There's a whole controversy surrounding oh, the waterfront nice. amphitheater. We don't have to get into. But, yeah, I mean, you're also, you know, it's comparing apples to oranges. Sure. Morgantown's a... A community of thirty thousand, and I think you know uh, Austin's ten times that size, if if not more. Right. But, but the thing I'd argue is that like, whereas like Albuquerque is not really on the path to anywhere, <laughs> uh, Morgantown at least sits on a path that if you're playing DC and Pittsburgh, yes, it's a hard like or or you know somewhere in Kentucky or Charleston. And Pittsburgh, like or Columbus, right? Yeah. There, there's like a travel path that would bring you through Morgantown, which is, I think, why we saw so many great bands there uh, over time. 
Albuquerque is a journey, right? Like you, you're either, the, the only reason you're in Albuquerque is because you're going from like Arizona to Texas. Maybe. Right, I think that's usually the, the deal. Or Denver. And, and I think also like the bands that play Albuquerque regularly just have a good relationship with some club. Somebody, yeah. Like they just like know them and they know that they're gonna pay them right and yeah. take, take care of them and they have played it every year so they've actually built up a real following of people yeah. that will actually go and show up. But, yeah, uh, so if, so if somebody wants to open up a halfway decent club in Albuquerque, because that is not a business I want to get into. No, me um, neither. I would never. But but I, I just that energy, um, that energy, it it would be cool. It's like in, in some ways I feel like I don't know is that is that the future for Albuquerque on some level, like potentially because it is a university town and yeah. it is. But like, but U and M's got to get better at drawing people. There's so much damn money in this state. Yeah. In Texas, yeah. that's the thing. Well, and in Austin, that's the that's a yeah. huge differentiator, right? And like everything, we've noticed everything's pretty damn expensive compared to where we're from. Um, and it's and and there's just lots of things going on, lots of movement, and and yeah. you know, I think a big part of that, honestly, is just there's a fuckload of money yeah. here, and there isn't dick. <laughs> when it comes to that right so like even if you put on a really really cool event and it's really cool like you know from a business standpoint like is, does it make sense to put it on right yeah. I was imagining like a fucking tourism campaign it's kind of dickless Albuquerque <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm, I want it to be different and like I, I, I definitely want because you know I don't want you know like I think I've talked to you guys about this like I, my family left our bigger family and like Part of that was just like the country was falling apart in the 80s and it didn't look like there was a future or much of one and you know like we came out to the states and whatever and but i've always had a big distance fit i mean obviously literally but also like it spiritually right from the rest of my family peru and like you know and then when i left i left you know for college and then like did my own thing whatever and it's really cool that my parents moved to New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I would love it if, you know, you know, like, we could put down roots in a way that, like, my kids felt like they could stay or at least be around and we could, like, build this sort of, like, big family like I remember in Lima, right? Where my grandmother had all the, you know, all the kids and the, you know, this and the cousins and the grandkids. And like it all kind of revolved around her, and you know, I don't know, I, 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 I wish for that. I don't know how realistic that is, and like I feel like you need a place to be to give options yeah. <laughs> to the kid. Like I don't, you know, if Josephine wants to be an engineer, well, there are some options, but then like you know, it's there's kind of a, a hard ceiling, unfortunately, at least yeah. right now. Anyway, but um, do we talk about music anymore? I guess mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um, Just check. So, okay, why, why did I pick this? Um, maybe we could start there. Yeah. Um, this has just been a favorite record of mine for a very long time. I feel like this is like the same way, like, with like uh, Lotus Plaza is kind of like, you know, one of those like on the sneak sort of favorite records of yours, like you just like go back to all the time. Yeah. Um, mm. I go back to this one all the time. And I also listen to Electric Feel and Kids. So that, that stuff, Oracular, that came out when I was like going out to clubs and bars and having a good time and not giving a fuck about anything. And I definitely danced drunk to electric feel. You know, like, I, you know, I mean, 
So it was, it was a different time. So I have like kind of very like pleasant memories of all that stuff and just the fun. And uh, so this came at a time when, this came out in 2000... 2010. 2010. Yeah, this came out at a time when I felt like I was stuck. <laughs> like, like in my work and like I just didn't feel like I don't know, there was anything I could really do to change things. And then like, we were kind of just getting sick of Philly. And we were just kind of like, you know, it's like 2010, I was like 29. So like, it was just like getting closer to like not, this is okay, I can't just go out to bars all the time. Like this isn't life necessarily. And I just feel like this, this one hit right for me for whatever the case, you know, whatever the reason was like at that time. and I think also uh, something else I love it because you know uh, something else I love about it is it's it's kind of a fuck you to the first record in many ways, right? It's like a lot of bands do that where like the second record is just like okay we had this crazy big success and now we have something maybe to prove or like hey it, you're with us with that but are you with us with this, yeah. right? And um, not every band can pull it off. And I think that they probably did lose a bunch of their audience. <laughs> that I will say, you know, like I will attest to that because I this hit me right as I or Oracular Spectacular hit me, you know, right as I was finishing high school and going into college. And like MGMT was the hottest shit. They were headlining all the festivals yeah. that you know, as a 17, 18 year old, I wanted to go to, uh, but never could. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, this came out right as I was starting college, and I just remember like. I have a very distinct image of the album art, yeah, uh, and being like, "What the?" Hell? <laughs> and then like listening to a couple of the tracks and being like, "This is not what I expected," and then just never really thinking about MGMT ever again. Right, right. <laughs> I think, and I think that's most people's experience of it. And I, it's funny because I went to a MGMT show when this album came out. I really liked it. I found out they were playing a casino in Atlantic City. Okay, <laughs> and so. And Katie got, actually Katie got me tickets for my birthday. So we go to this casino and first thing I notice is it's a lot of young, I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about like teenagers and like, you know, and you know, again, I'm in my late twenties and it, it does start, you know, you start to feel like, okay, these are kids here, okay. And they were so crestfallen, I feel like a lot. Like they started playing like Siberian Breaks which, you know, like, just this kind of 12-minute, like, multi-part prog thing, I don't know, whatever whatever that thing, whatever it is. And they were just, like, kind of confused. And then when they played Electric Feel for the encores, when they were like, sweet. Mm-hmm. And then and then when the concert was done, I remember we, because it, it was on, like, a second floor, we took the escalator down, like, so, like, the show ended, we took the escalator down, and at the, on the ground floor, were all these kids' parents <laughs> picking them up? Oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, like for me, I think like the high points of this album kind of point to this a similar trend as the other things we really enjoy, and that's that like a track may start one way and journey through like three or four different sounds by the end. Yeah. Like there's a transition, there's a, a journey on the album. But to your point, so Consequence uh, Consequence of Sound put out a review for this in March 
2010. Yeah. And let me just like open up. So this is Michael Rothman's uh, review again from March 26, 2010. Uh, the boys behind MGMT want you to want to tell you something. It's short and to the point. That message. Thanks for listening, but fuck you. <laughs> for those who fell in love with the Connecticut Melody Makers through club-friendly hits like Kids, Time to Pretend, or Electric Feel, you can exit out the left and grab a mint on your way. <laughs> it's been a short ride. They hope you enjoyed it. For those of you left, the 7 or 12 elated fans who found solace in the second half of 20 2007's Oracular Spectacular, congratulations should come off as a gift. It's nice feeling so exclusive, huh? <laughs> and, like... I feel like that that addresses exactly this. Like the article goes on to act like that's a bad thing, but like I think in hindsight, it's way more interesting. Like in hindsight, this is just a better format. Like certainly, like uh, what's the the more recent album from 2010? Uh, we were just talking about this the other day. What, little, little dark. Age? Little dark. Little dark age. Yeah, like, 2018. Yeah. Or 2018. That's what I meant. Um, it's really good, but it also doesn't do what this album does, and that's take you through a journey by, like, on a track. There's some really epic changes that play through this thing that make it an interesting listen, and I find those tracks are the ones that I go back to more often. Yeah. What I like about this album is that, um, I... I actually came into it with like not really too many expectations. Again, like I never had, I never owned Oracular Spectacular. I just, but you lived in in a college town in that time. You heard it a yeah, lot, a lot. Um, but I put it on, and the very first thing I noticed was how much it reminded me in a good way of Arcade Fire. So yeah. immediately I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> yeah. this is good. This is encouraging. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy about this. And it actually continues throughout. I mean, there's a lot of like that that I hear and it probably wasn't intentional. I think they were going for other acts, you know, but it's got that same not given a fuckness. Like we're going to try this very strange and cool and interesting idea. And this is what it's going to come out sounding like. And, and if you don't like it, that's great. You know, fuck off. Right. I think, I think like sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I have a little bit of a contrary nature and definitely a little bit more, more than a little bit of a fuck you attitude. I, but I think also sometimes I just don't understand. Like, it's like, I listen to this and I listen. I mean, there's, there's really beautiful melodies. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they went like black metal, discordant. Right. Or something. Oh, no. Yeah. no. Like, it's like, it's really beautiful. And I don't, like, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, did you just want some shit to bang in the club and dance to? Is that, is that it? Is that what it is? Because, like, I if mean, you list, sit down and listen to this thing, like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like candy for your ears. It's like, yeah, it's very complex in a good way. No, and, and that arcade fire comparison is really good, especially like someone's missing that song immediately when it came on. It was it reminded me. Or like, even just arcade like fire. the like the the accordion in this, you know, like the the multi instrumentality is a part of it, and the vocals is a part the of it, vocals, and the complexity definitely. is a part of it. Yeah. And I kind of think I think I settled like I've been thinking about this sort of in the background, and I think what makes sense to me is that Arcade Fire was a more like manual version of this and this is like the same multi-instrumentality but more digital you know it's yeah. just that evolution I like it it's good it's good is, is that a musical saw in this song uh, I found a whistle like the is or is it a theremin I, I 
if you have a musical saw or a theremin in yeah uh, either in, way in in your in yeah. your song and and like it doesn't sound discordant <laughs> sign me up yeah i i was thinking that too especially when we were driving here mm-hmm. um we were listening to it in the car and the transitions sound theremin-like, but the tone doesn't sound like a theremin. It sounds more like the <laughs> sounds more like the app or the website that you pulled up. That the, was the, the digital theremin. The digital theremin. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's cool. Yeah. I want. I, I do think like I'm thinking more about the Arcade Fire comparison because this mm-hmm. album came out the same year that the Suburbs did. Yeah. Which is like you know. Like that era of like those like five eight years was like the height of Arcade Fire's power, right? Right. Like winning all the awards, pissing off all the normies by stealing the spotlight. Right. Um, and I do wonder, like you know, if you go back and listen to more albums that are in this vein, how many of them sound like Arcade Fire? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, yeah. is it just a question of influence, or was it you know, because as you were saying before, this is such a departure yeah. from their origin. I, I think that, okay, so let me speculate. I, I think that the Suburbs has more of a pop um, feel than this one does. Like, there's more pop songs, right? It's like Ready to Start, which is like a huge, huge hit. And it's a cool song, but it's not like, it's not like taking us on like a journey or whatever. Um, there's a Sprawl 2, which I think is like just a straight like kind of electronic pop type of deal. And I think the thing with this one is just Look, I, I also think there was some point in the culture where everyone decided, like, hey, David Byrne. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, I feel like, totally. <laughs> like, talking heads, yeah, hey, right, you know, and, like, yeah. I feel like that, that maybe there was just some sort of, like, cultural convergence or something, but, I, I, you know, you hear that in, like, basically everything they do and basically everything Arcade Fire does, I, I feel like. Well, and, and, you know, not just David Byrne, but Brian Eno. Right, like well, I, I feel mean, like there, like very explicitly, very explicitly. <laughs> but like I feel like there was a long period of time where like he did not get any attention, and then like I think maybe the shift started here where like that Eno like so I knew Eno ability. I knew Eno before this record. I knew Eno from two things. Um, he was a producer for U2, a bunch of U two stuff in the eighties. Right. I knew that. Right. Um, yeah, and, and his production work and um, and also wait was was he in was he in Roxy Music? I think that's right. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. But but I okay I, but I didn't know the Roxy Music that well back then. I mean I was familiar but I didn't. You and, know. and then and then well I guess so okay and okay so maybe a third thing, which is that um, there was this uh, amazing documentary um, that used footage. That they caught, that the astronauts took when they were walking on the moon, like the Apollo astronauts, and Eno did the soundtrack. And I remember as a as a kid watching that documentary with my dad and just thinking this music is really beautiful. And only like much later knowing, like learning that it was Eno that so did the music. Weird. The only thing I knew Brian Eno from was Frippin' Eno, which is when he worked with a guy from King Crimson. Wow, okay, so that, but, not, but right, that's, that's yeah. more, that's, is that your dad's Yeah, influence? that's dad's. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, and I, I, I've learned more about that in recent years, and it's really, really It is really, stuff. look, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge, huge fan, and... So one of the things that's really cool about that Brian Eno song, which wasn't on my picks, but one of the cool things about it is 
just the premise is basically he's just like always ahead of everyone mm-hmm. and it's like infuriating to kind of try and like catch up with him or like you do something you think is new and then it nah it turns out Brian Eno did it like he's almost. the yeah he's the Simpsons, the Simpsons music producers yeah. yeah and and so like I feel that so much because if you really listen to his discography so he invented ambient music I mean there were other people that were doing some similar stuff but really I think he invented it and anyone that's an ambient electronic musician you know it's like owes basically everything to Eno and his whole idea with ambient music uh, uh, with um, music for airports which is the first ambient record mm-hmm. he did was literally I you know hey people listen to music in different ways and there are different modes of listening right and so he was in this like very beautiful modern like modern architecture airport in Germany, I can't remember which one, maybe it was Bonn, I can't remember, one of those airports. And he was like, what would it, what would music, what would soundtrack this experience of walking this beautiful building in this airport? And that's what he came up with. And it's, uh, it's so awesome. I actually, I always, I go music for airports. I, that is my go-to if I need to just sit down and calm down and be contemplative and like yeah. create something right or something like that. That's just my go-to. Um, and then, okay, I'm gonna just say one more thing about Eno. Um, a couple of years ago, I had this idea for like, kind of a, like a, like I love Choose Your Own Adventure books when I was a kid and I love interactive stories and things like that, right? And I had this idea in the car, like I was listening to a podcast and I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do like kind of an interactive audio adventure like in the car because like I had my commute to my office downtown was like 25 minutes and I, I was just thinking like thinking it'd be cool to like be able to listen to a story and then make decisions and then like you know like in my little 25 minute window and like kind of play a game like as an audio game right and so I started like kind of looking at what that was and started like observing the landscape and one of the ideas I had around that was what if you could listen to music that changed depending on like stuff that's happening around you. Like, so for example, like if it's like noon, the music is playing different than it would be at like one. If you're walking, it's gonna be different than from when you're sitting, right? And like, so increase in tempo or drop out instruments or, right? That, that's what I was thinking. And like in video games, they have this thing called adaptive music, right? Which yeah. is, like you go into a room and it gets louder or the music changes slightly or whatever. Right. Or like the entire soundtrack to Silent Hill. Like right. it's just like or it's Max there Payne. to like Max Payne, right. if you remember that game. Yeah. Right. So okay, so I was like, wow, this is a pretty cool idea. Like, hey, look at me, right? And then fucking Brian Eno. Um, I found out that he made this iOS app. It's called Reflection. It's also he just he made the normal record. Then he made this iOS app, and it goes on forever, and it changes depending on what time of the day you play it and what season. Hmm. And I, I was just like, God, Brian, he did it. He did it. He did it. You so know. He also created these weird, uh, this like weird card deck. 
to help in like a creative endeavor called oh, Oblique yes. Strategies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And apparently, like that got like pushed really heavily in a lot of production meetings yeah, yeah. in like the early nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just pulling up some stuff on it. Like, it seems like a cool idea where it's it's essentially a deck of cards with like creative strategy suggestions to like pull from when you're stuck on an idea. And it came from the way that he and another artist were kind of working through their creative ideas that like as they would get stuck there would be a suggestion that was completely out of left field that would unstick them right and i i think it's actually a pretty cool idea i'm, I'm interested in like picking up some of those just for those moments when we're trying to like you know come up with an idea and maybe like a film project or you know like whatever we're playing around yeah, with, yeah, yeah. it would be a cool tool to be able to pull from that isn't like, you know, relying on someone as part of the project to pull us out of this place and maybe take us back in like a similar direction. It may, may completely shake things up. I like the idea. I, I, I'm trying to look up this quote that he had about reflection, uh, you know, that like, but one of the things he talks about is like he wanted to make music that it flowed like a river yeah right where it keeps flowing it doesn't stop flowing but it the way it flows is changes because of all these you know the temperature the wind yeah. all these things and so anyway all that to say i deeply feel what they're saying about brian Eno. for sure yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's interesting that brian Eno is and this is probably the wrong word but it's it, to me, like perhaps the most aggressive song on the album, it has <laughs> it has like a very distinct energy that stands yes. out from the rest of the tracks, and it's interesting because it seems like they took the you know ethos to this whole project because like if Oracular Spectacular, and I promise that we're talking about Congratulations, <laughs> if Oracular Spectacular was like the party album, or at least the A side was the party album. This feels like the, all right, party's over, like, decompression yeah. or next morning kind of album. You know, it's, like, way more down-tempo yeah. and a little bit more serious. But it's interesting that Brian Eno is, like, the standout album of the standout track. Yeah. It, it is interesting that, also, it doesn't sound like anything Brian Eno has no. done. No. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's, that's the other thing, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's not really about Brian Eno. It's about this annoyance. Yeah. Of like, oh, you think you're fucking original? Nah, he did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did it first. Yeah, it, it's, there's some there's some quotes uh, where they're talking about it being like a master student kind of focus for the for for that track where it's like, yeah, Brian Eno is like the master of the thing. We're all just trying to catch up, whether we realize it or not. <laughs> Yeah, he has a great interview with Rick Rubin that came out recently. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, it's really enlightening, and, and, and in the way that like David Byrne can be, right? Like his right. book on like like the music, history of music, right? Yeah, yeah that's it's the great. book's amazing. Yeah, like it's it, great. It, both of them present like the experience of listening to music and creating music in a way that like I don't know, my brain hadn't really like got around before. It's really interesting. So, I just just last thing about you know I, I, I want to read the quote because I found out. I Today's found, I found episode, 
I mainly found, focused on Brian. I, I found I found this. Uh, None of us listen to it. So reflection, which is the record, uh, reflection is the most recent of my ambient experiments. Re- represents the most sophisticated of them so far. My original intention with ambient music was to make endless music, music that would be there as long as you wanted it to be. I wanted also that this music would unfold differently all the time, like sitting by a river. It's always the same river, but it's always changing. But recordings, whether vinyl, cassette, or CD, are limited in length and replay identically each time you listen to them. So in the past, I was limited to making the systems which make the music, but then recording 30 minutes or an hour and releasing that. Yeah. The app by which Reflection is produced is not restricted. It creates an endless and endlessly changing version of the piece of music. It's just... It's just bonkers. And I just, I think, I think that's actually, to me, that's actually a frontier of music. And I'm really excited to see someone that has a lot more sort of knowledge of music and a better kind of domain expertise um, make it happen, you know. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Siberian Breaks? <laughs> Siberian Breaks? Siberian Breaks, it seems that it was each of our free birds. It's on all of our cuts. It's. I mean, it's great. It, I, you know, it's it's the epic track on the album. Um, you know, it really I don't know. It shows like their skill in transition. That the twelve minute track on the album is the one that like all of us include. Like it's it's a beautiful track. Anybody? Jenny Bueller. Oh. Oh, I really liked it a lot. Uh, I I think was probably the first one that I put on repeat a couple, you know. Chris was Chris was on a call like Monday night, that Monday night after and I I just was, you know, had my headphones on listening to uh, Siberian Breaks on repeat all night. So Nice. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what else you say about it. Like, it's obviously a, a fantastic song, and not only that, but it's like, it manages to be great across the, like, several different movements that it has, which I think is an achievement in itself. That there's, like, no one of those that I'm like, I don't like that one, you know? They all have something that I really, really like, and it's a beautiful song, and I listen to it a lot of times. So what's your favorite piece of it? My if you favorite had... piece? Yeah. The last one. The very last one. No, not not the very not the very last one. That's like the did it, but yeah. like the last like song piece. Yeah. Know? So there's a line in there that I remember listening to, and I just like feel that so much. It's like you know, I hope I die before I get sold. Right. I'd rather die before I get sold. Yeah. I, I this is just one of those where like it's like again I think I was stuck in my job, right? <laughs> like just not fitting in at all, and like just feeling like. Okay, nothing I do that's creative like means anything. And that, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just, I, I, you know, because he screams that at the end of that part, right? Yeah. Um, and what is the instrument? It's like, it sounds like it's a flute? Yeah, it's a, uh, they, like, Wikipedia credits it as a fake flute. A fake flute? I don't know what the fuck <laughs> fake flute is, but. It sounds like, like, like a, a digitalized, like, yeah. ocarina or something like that. It That's is funny that they, it sounds like di- an ocarina, yeah, they yeah. differentiate with, like, synth and organ and things like that, and then they have this separate listing for fake flute. So, I don't know if, it, if anyone wants to buy us a fake flute, like, that'd be a weird instrument to have, it seems like. I So, like, 
I'm, I don't spend a lot of time with lyrics. I don't spend a lot of time looking them up. Genius does break down the song in an interesting way where it's almost like, um, uh, you know, what's the, um, the Pink Floyd track that's in like 17 parts or whatever. Wish You Were Here? Uh, it's on... Echoes? It, it's on the Wish You Were Here album, but it takes... I, we've talked about it before. Okay. <laughs> but, so the part you're talking about is, is uh, section five, Secrets to Decode, part two. Yeah, that's the it part I'm talking about. It exists between like six minutes and eight minutes on the track. Right, yeah, that's uh, the so part I'm talking about. It, it, it's, it's interesting that they've bothered to like break down the different sections of this 12-minute <laughs> song. I mean, that's um, got to be from the liner notes, right? It, like, it has to be. Yeah. Too bad none of those exist anymore for yeah, a digital yeah. format. Like, um, uh, maybe I should get the vinyl. I bet there's a vinyl for this. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Discogs can help oh. you out with that for yeah. sure. Okay. Um, it is interesting that price. the the final movement is called American Nightmare. Yeah. Because um, it does definitely. What I like, Siberian Breaks is interesting because like it, it's called Siberian Breaks, but like to me, gives like a big like English folk vibe. Oh, you know, very much. Very big English folk vibe. Because, sure. like, Johnny and I, you know, again, going back to one of your previous episodes um, and tonight's uh, activities, uh, I was like, man, this really sounds like a Matt Berry track. Yeah. Like, this very much sounds like something that he would put out. Yeah. No, that's a great comparison. And, you know, I think the English folk thing is totally, yeah, I, like, I 100%, especially with that flute. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, and, and, and it's, 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 it's really, it's, uh, it's beautiful and unexpected. Right, um, and it's sort of sad, and it's uh, it's so what what what's weird is like, and I'm just gonna discount this honestly because what's weird about this is that they they I think their yeah their thing is this song is the general theme is about surfing in the Arctic Circle by Russia, and I'm just like no it isn't dude yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's what Siberian breaks would be <laughs> yeah sure yeah. <laughs> This is not. This, this is, is not, not that, that right? Track. Yeah. I, I thought I didn't have time, but I thought about making like some kind of like political agitprop like music video for this song <laughs> because like to me it's like it's sad. It's sad and like yeah. kind of sort of disappointment, you know. And like actually this song, Lady Dada's Nightmare, which is pretty stupid name. Yeah. Uh, I also thought about making some sort of agit prop too because I, I felt like it could work well, you know. Just... Well, and it's interesting that like Brian Eno, the Brian Eno track cuts into it because this actually reminds me more of Brian Eno. Yeah, like... for sure, definitely, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just like I mean, whenever you start uh, analyzing, like they said, you know, they said that they finished writing this album in two thousand and nine, yeah. which means that they spent a full year recording, mastering, reworking. Like, you know, this is this is three years of work, and so, like, I'm sure that there's just layers of meaning. And it's interesting, like, before we move on from it, mm -hmm. Siberian Breaks, you were talking about, um, like, the multi-movement track from Pink Floyd, but, like, the story that it tells, looking at the lyrics, because, again, like, I didn't really pay attention, yeah. um, reminds me a lot more of A Day in the Life by the Beatles. Yeah, that's a good Yeah, because it's, like, a, a story of a day, and, like, the Beatles yeah. were much more explicit about it. Yeah. yeah. But it is, like, you know, a story, like, waking up in the morning, like, right. going, traveling somewhere on a plane the, the the starry void at the end of the song exactly. right yeah all yeah. this stuff right yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good yeah 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 um yeah this is my favorite that's my favorite song on the record and i feel it's representative of the record too right yeah. it's representative of kind of the moods and it's like right in the middle 
And, you know, good on them. It actually was a single. I didn't know that. They put out a vinyl. That's hilarious. I mean, that's the idea that, like, radio would play a 12-minute song. I mean, well, that's like a fuck think, you within a fuck Exactly, because they, they said pretty explicitly before the album was released that they weren't going to release any singles. They were like, we don't want you to listen to an individual song. We want you to listen to the whole album. Um, and then... They released the song that is the album yeah, as the single. Basically. Yeah, basically. But then also, the like... Same thing. I think like the stu- like the studio or whoever released "Congratulations" as a single, which I don't know if that was like a consolation track that they yeah. put in because I really don't think that "Congratulations" fits with the rest of the album. It doesn't. It really at all. It's yeah. kind of like it's, de- an it's afterthought. A, it's like really? Deborah. It's like Deborah on uh, 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 Midnight Vultures. Yeah. Right. Where like at, it's like at the end and it's yeah, just like, okay. it's like a completely <laughs> different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I like. I genuinely wonder if it's just like padding. Or if it's like something that like one of the producers just kind of threw to them and was like, right. you know what, like they're gonna want something like this, so there you go. Also evidenced by it not being on anyone's cut. It's not anyone's cut. I like the song. I love it's, the I love the fun. I love the end where there's like clapping. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of feels right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the most bizarre part to me is that it's the most listened to track on the album on Spotify. It's yeah. got like forty wonder, million listens. I wonder if it's the same. Let me, really, I'm gonna look at Amazon Music because Amazon Music has that same kind of uh, really that the, same the, kind the of listen listings. Yeah, like they do it in a weird like volume bar way. But I wonder if it rates really high for this album. I don't too. know, people, man. I mean, it's not a bad well, song. Jenny, it's Jenny cool. Is all Always posited that the top five tracks of any artist are not their best tracks ever. <laughs> and free, more often than not, those are easily whatever, consumable. Whatever you know, people choose as like their singles. I often, at least half the time, oh, yeah. I find are not their best songs. Just to, for some visual verification, does it? If you hover over, does full, it say full bars for uh, Amazon Music? It does not do the hovering display. Uh, Flash Delirium is the one that holds the next uh, next highest popularity. So Flash Delirium was a single. Okay. I think maybe it was the first single. Possibly. But congratulations is you know what Amazon considers like the most popular. Well, because it also had a music video, if I'm not mistaken. It did also have a music video. That's right. So it definitely feels to me like you know they put the least effort into that track, and then the studio, yeah. <laughs> or you know the their their. Uh, publisher was like that's the one and they're like really we put it at the end like no one's gonna listen that far you know it's also funny that brian eno and lady dada's nightmare are the exact uh exact minute and second count uh on amazon music as well Hmm. so so i'm just looking at some of the reviews like like they were like sort of accusing this thing of being self-indulgent and and i think about that and i think about 2021 and like a bunch of these like prog and psych bands that like this feels like all like carefully crafted pop songs compared to their shit. Yeah. yeah. Also, like I just take offense at that because like yeah. what they're not public fucking servants. <laughs> right. They can indulge themselves if they want. Yeah, yeah. To. And like, then it's up to you to like it or not. What makes you think I do any of this for anybody but me? Right. Like, Some of the best art in history was like just ridiculously self-indulgent. Yeah. I, and I just don't, honestly, I, I, again, I don't know, maybe I'm just not uh, hearing it right. I don't feel like this is self-indulgent no. at all. Yeah. This isn't, this no. Gordon is not asking you to make, like, some sort of, like, like if you like music, yeah, and you sit down with it, 
it's cool. It's not at all challenging. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah, what a drag. Right, exactly. Like, you know, Zappa being like, yeah, exactly, like the giant middle finger, like, go study music theory for six years, you right. dick. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's only challenging if you want to, like, completely check out and, like... If you want to go dance in the, yeah, on the dance yeah, yeah. floor, yeah, it's challenging. challenging to dance yeah, to. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, so you're not going to dance necessarily. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's such an interesting, that's such an interesting take because what it, what they're really saying is it's self-indulgent because it didn't give their fans what they wanted and they did what they want, like, what the band did what yeah. they wanted instead. But that's not self-indulgent. That's like, just honest, I think. Like, um... Haven't you, I don't know, haven't you ever done a thing that, like, at the time you thought was cool and people liked it, and then, like, you're kind of like, oh, man, that's just not cool, and <laughs> kind of a little bit embarrassed, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, maybe that's how they felt, you know, like, you so know. That's, like, a half of Wes Craven's filmography. <laughs> right. I feel like if you make enough things, there's going to be moments, right, when you do something like that, where you're just, like, and it caught on, or, like, people, like, were like, yeah, that's cool. And then you're not really on that train anymore, you know? Well, Radiohead didn't play Creep for, like, 15 years, like, on that same tip, because they were like, oh, man, we should not have done that. I mean, I don't, yeah. I have to yeah. disagree with them. Like, that's, like, their best old song, I think, you I know? I think they've done a lot, a lot of, they have a large body of work that is better than Creep. In Agree. my opinion. In Agree, my opinion. but I think it's, like, an iconic song, and, you sure. know, like, it's... Sure. sure, but like to the yeah, point that you were making earlier. Yeah. You, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a nostalgic song in a lot of ways. I mean, like the song itself is not anything special. I think it's more, it has more it's value. It's so for, fucking special. Really? It's, it's like, it's, it's, oh, like, it's pretty basic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the Pixies could have recorded that, that. You know, Sonic Youth could have recorded Creep. Like, from, a music, not, from a music standpoint, to me, that's the lyrics. To me, yeah, it's the, right, the right, you right. know, the, the message of the song. Right. I wonder, but like, I wonder that, like what I'm saying is like any other band could have made that it's not it's not right. necessarily yeah. a radio right. track. Yeah. no you're other right. band totally could have right. made King of Lose, I could see right. sure. yeah, yeah exactly yeah. 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 or yeah. in rainbows or like, Kid A or basically yeah, yeah right yeah. Yeah. or Paranoid Android and I, I wonder if Blur experienced the same thing with Song 2 right mm. like Song I'm sure 2 they did. is so far out of left field for what like, and it became a huge what, hit yeah we heard it in fucking West Virginia sure <laughs> I mean it was yeah it was super like simple and heavy and great yeah. I mean, it's a great song. Yeah. But, like, in terms of what Blur were offering right. and what they went on to offer, like, it's so, like, all right, fuck it. Like, let's turn on the distortion, do a three-minute song, <laughs> and, you know, make enough money so we can pay for this album. Like, th There's a lot of bands. There's a lot of bands like that. I don't know that that's MGMT, like, because they made a whole album that kind of had a similar yeah. sound, right, or whatever. And I think that for whatever, you know... For Oracular, in my opinion, like with Oracular, it's like I think the melodies are still there, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's just it's just for young people to dance to. Well, and I, I think also people forget around that time. This is like the mid aughts, early aughts. There was a whole thing of like rock bands that make you dance. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that was like the Strokes or like the fucking the Hives or Franz Ferdinand sure. or whatever. I don't know. Or Electric like, Six's Gay Bar, which is a great song. <laughs> I, yeah, there was like that second British invasion, or I guess at that point third British invasion yeah. of like just like like danceable rock music. Yeah, yeah. like Ar Ar uh, Arctic Monkeys definitely like rode that wave. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. people say I am, that's what I'm not. Like that's a very <laughs> danceable album. Right. 
Right, exactly. I was actually kind of thinking about Oracular in uh, in terms of the conversation we were having yesterday about Robert Rodriguez, right? Like, Oracular's their spy kids. Like, <laughs> them their ability to make, like, interesting things that, man, fuck it if you ain't going to buy it. Like, at least it's interesting. Like, what we're doing now is interesting. Thanks for paying for it with the first album. <laughs> I think what like, we're kind of dancing around is, like, the influence of the industry on the music that ultimately gets to us from these artists. Because, like... Yeah. I, you know, Oracular is what a college student would have made. You know, it's it's a college student's album. It sold well because were, somebody knew that they could they, market it. They, they were, were right out of college. Students. Exactly, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, but then, like, you know, everybody wanted them to keep making that, but they're not those people anymore. Right. Yeah. So they moved on to something else, and then everybody got mad at them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well and, you know, I wonder. But, if I, a, but well, I moved on too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, that, for people who were moving on with them, it worked. But right. like, I think my point is that like we see this repeat itself over and over and over again with so many artists yeah. and a lot of them don't get the chance to keep moving like they make that second album people don't vibe with it and that's it and they're done yeah. yeah but what about like you know what about producers and executive i don't know these fucking companies with enough fucking chest to be like these guys are good musicians they know how to make good music. We should give them. A we home should. To do we it. shouldn't tell them what to fucking make. We should make it easy for them to yeah. make whatever the fuck they I want. I feel like I feel like there's definitely a balance though because there is a, there's like a, a perfect little chord to strike there because if you give some artists enough rope, they will hang themselves yeah. and make something <laughs> that is unlistenable even to the greatest audiophile. Well, yeah. And and I like. Is there an example of that? Like, I, I don't know if I've got I an example call up right now. Probably. I think going back to Zappa, like some of his stuff is it's unlistenable. It's, <laughs> too, it's too much. Beef heart, right? Exactly. Like, like, yeah. I you know like I think it's an interesting. It's also an interesting test to like give someone a home after an album that like hits that pop sweet note. Like give someone a home and a chance to like branch out a little bit right like these guys are talented let's let them try it and if they can't do it eh, you know it's a loss like we've got other artists that make you know hundreds of millions of dollars for us it'll be fine at least at this time i also can't imagine like like could this have been a loss no one was selling records like you know no it it debuted at number two yeah i was gonna say it sold like i think a quarter of a million copies or something i mean like no one was selling records back then anyway Right? So it like, was. I think it was the beginning of the end because people were still yeah. buying. It was the origin. Like they found that new revenue stream, and I think you know iTunes was like really popping off at this point. Right. Yeah. It had like hit its stride. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I just I think mean, about, was this like could like I mean, how much does a fucking like musical saw like cost? I don't know. You know like, <laughs> like really, like what? what they, yeah, they didn't even need to pay for a real flute. They used to pay. <laughs> that's that's actually an, an interesting point. Like we had gotten to the point here now where a lot of instrumentation was digital. Mm. You could find whatever sound you wanted, you know. Um, right, it wasn't like back in the day where you'd have to go like to the special studio. Like studio flautist. Or right, or, right. Or, or or like go yeah. to some place, you know, go to Bring some studio. Bring in half of the New York Symphony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. go to some yeah. studio where they had like every fucking version of the Mellotron, you know, like, right. I mean, this is the sort of thing. So, I mean, if you want to talk like like chart information, right? Just digging around Wikipedia, like it debuted in the UK at one, US at two. Um, but in terms of certifications, the only certification listed is in the UK where it's certified silver at 60,000 units sold. I thought it won gold. Uh, you know, Wikipedia doesn't have it, if that's the case. Um, so, 
Maybe it maybe went gold and it's not listed here. That's certainly possible. It's Wikipedia. Some asshole could have deleted it by accident. Um, but here's, like, here's, here's it's a, interesting to see something peak at that level without like a clear like certification like cited here. <laughs> so was it? Do you, do you feel like it was kind of reverse like? crowd like well we, I, we we bought we rushed out to buy this thing and and then they told all their friends no no no, 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 no. no, 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 no. yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that may be it right like i and i think that's an interesting point in terms of like the way we like oh never mind the thousand copies right so like wow. so it only sold 17 on the, the first week no or? first week yeah which okay. is not great so so that's interesting right that's like we're 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 putting it at the top of the charts when it comes. This is not an indication of the public's view of the album at that point, right? Yeah. Like, it's an indication of the excitement coming into the album. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, the public view of the album, here we are, you know, 11 years later. I mean, it turns out nobody bought it, well, right? Like, and that like may the... be the Napster problem, or it may be the, like, nah, this ain't for us because we can't dance problem. Well, that's the whole joke around, like, Donda that came out, like, a month and a half ago, right? As uh, of recording, like, Kanye's most recent project, everybody rushed out, you know, everybody listened to it once, and then, like, you know, uh, like, a couple weeks later, you see the tweet where it's like, man, no one's talking about Donda, are they? Like, yeah. it, it did not have that impact that, that anybody was expecting it to have. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's very interesting. Like I think that's why oftentimes those numbers can be very deceptive. You yeah, know? It, you know, like it also goes to show that like when people start talking about like the golden days of you know music, like we were never very good at getting a handle on like public perception of the thing. We've got reviews of people that like may trash a thing. Like we have. Low numbers sold that may not be indicative of who's actually listening to okay, it. So what is the goal? Like when you say that, like what what do you what do you even say? Like what do you what do, what do other people say is that time? I mean, I, I, you know, like pre-internet, right? Like, see, okay, so like right. the whole, the fifty years of the late twentieth century. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it, right? Because then, like, people were forced to spend too much money on an album that they've never heard. That's what. I, okay, Especially that's what I'm talking about. Right. When people say shit like that. Like, I just want to whisk them back to the fucking wasteland that right. was like the 90s, right? No, Where you bought was... a CD for 20 fucking dollars. Right, yeah, you yeah. Didn't, you couldn't possibly know, like, if it was any good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what I am talking about is not like the, like, I'm not pining for those days in that state. Fuck that, I what, never want to go what, back. What I am saying is, like... I ended up with the best of the offspring. Like, right. <laughs> right, nowadays, like, people talk about, ah, oh, the music industry's dead, or the movie the movie industry's dead because of, like, long-form TV. And it's like, I mean, what you're saying is, like, we can't, like, bathe ourselves in caviar because we're ripping off everybody who, like, wants to consume a thing. Right, like well, that's, and that's, that's the whole story of like that Netflix show, Brand New Cherry Flavor, right? I have like, not watched that yet. Well, we only watched the first episode, but in the very first episode, she has a very unique film concept, and then like goes to LA and immediately gets ripped off by a producer. Like, and it's exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's like, all predatory behavior. Like, yep. look, it's sold to like either like teenagers or children that don't have their own source of income so they're burning their parents money because their parents want to keep them like out of their fucking hair right <laughs> or they're like scraping to get money for things that they're actually interested in and these people are buying Lamborghinis off of it right and it was a nightmare and I'm gl I'm glad it's gone 
Dude, I, I was because, one of the first people to adopt it, like to adopt MP3s. Like, right. Like, at least in our no, we were both the same way because like, finally I could consume albums at a rate that I was interested in them without like having to beg, borrow, and steal to get the money to buy like an album that had one good track for a piece of plastic. Yeah. From fucking bullshit. That then I have to cart around with me or sell for two dollars. Dude, right? I remember, like it's I, remember I, had a, I had a buddy who uh, he had like you know back in the day the big CD cases right okay he had and he was showing me his like stuff and um, he had just bought uh, Chumbawamba's album <laughs> Tub Thumping. Wow, that poor. And guy. I remember thinking at the time I told I, I told him I was like like you're gonna. Be ashamed of that. <laughs> Five, ten years. Like, you know, like, I know that's not going to go anywhere. That's like a, you know. Also, like, there, there's some pieces of, of, like, at least, all right, so we're at a music festival, right? Where we're spending our money is, you know, buying tickets to the thing. And not beer. cheap. Huh? And beer. And beer. All right, yeah, and beer. And beer. Um, but, like, merch. To be fair, the cheapest beer for me. Well, hey, listen, Lone Star's, Lone Star's a fine, fine beverage. Yeah, Lone Star's a fine beverage. Yeah, it's better than other cheap beers by far. Right. Um, so, but, all right, so last night, right, I decided to engage the merch table, right? So I bought a poster for Kikakumoyo um, because it was fucking psychedelic and cool, and that was like 30 bucks. I don't know how much of that goes to them. Uh, I'd hope more of that than like album sales or god forbid streaming like mm. revenue um <laughs> i also like wanted to buy a place to bury strangers shirt because that's a band i never thought i'd get to see and i wanted to like proudly wear that shirt of like noise rock band that other people may get headaches from right <laughs> like but but they didn't have it in large right i get it it's it's like that's like the pocket for like people <laughs> like me that are that's buying shirts, like the large shirt is the pocket. I think extra dude. That's what I told you get the extra large. And, and get the extra large, shrink it. Come on, come on. I'm not as into baggy clothes as I used to be. I'm um, not either. But like, go fucking take, put, take, yeah, you only got you only got a couple more years to show off your figure. That's right. This girlish figure needs to be tweed clothing. Um, but like the thing that drives me nuts is I would have walked out there spending at least. 30 more dollars than I did, right? And and that would have been specifically to a band that I like's merch table. It's it's not a good system to like rely on merch to get you through a tour, yeah. right? So like the thing they want you to think about album sales is that an artist used to be able to like make a living and become rich off of it not the fucking truth <laughs> yeah the more right? we learn about motown the, the less we know that's true not how that works right um there's a lot of very exploitative arrangements the thing i like to think is that like when i go to a show i can buy merch and actually directly support them but the problem in that is, like, I'm either buying a shirt that's too big for me to wear at a frequency that I want to wear it, or too small for me to wear ever again, right? Or I'm, like, forced to buy a thing that's less money than I'd like to give them because it's the only thing left in a way that I can consume at the frequency that I feel is of value yeah, to me. Yeah. And, like, somewhere in this, there's a mechanism by which... An artist should be able to like focus on their art and 
live in a halfway decent place and be able to get around the country without like taping two dimes together to do it. Yeah. And so, also not get some like predatory douchebag like record executive yeah. fucking rich. So like I mean, Well and I I mean, you know, I told you guys the story of how uh, Ryan from Holy Wave was trying to give me a free and did give me a free t shirt because it was my birthday and I was like, No, I'm trying to give you I want yeah. to give you guys some money. Guys. So then it was like fine, but I'm gonna buy this album that like, you know, I was here for a shirt, but now yeah. I'm buying something else. But my suggestion to you See if you can buy the shirt you want and the size you want online, because I realize that Holy Wave has an entire like yeah, everybody has a merch it. site now, yeah. And barring that, um, they also have a Venmo, and I actually like thought about like just like sending them fifty bucks because that's I, cool. They have been talking about, or at least somewhere on their Instagram last year, about how the Spotify model was always ripping them off. It's horrible. But yeah. even last year, with a, with no one able to go on tour, it was like, all right, Spotify, like you need to throw like just as the recording artists at large got together and were like, you know, we're trying to get more money because yeah. we cannot tour, we cannot support ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the other thing I try and do is like. Name your price on Bandcamp yeah. isn't like about getting the thing as cheap as you can get it. Oh, right. Right. I, I was so stoked when I bought In Rainbows for a dollar. Right. Oh man. <laughs> Whew, there was man. nothing like that you Run the Jewels Rainbows, album for free. It, you like, bought In Rainbows for a dollar <laughs> because you were probably like broke or right. close to it. Well yeah, I was in college. So, so yeah. And I still bought a copy, exactly. Yeah, I could have easily gotten it. Yeah, That's the nice part of that model is that if you don't have the money, you don't have to go broke trying to get music that you enjoy. Yes. But if you can afford it and you feel like you want to help them, there's a way to put that this money is, in their pocket. This is the helps. whole argument with digital media because, you know, like the Pirate Party, again, going to uh, Scandinavia, Siberia, Raising the, the people flag. up in the north, like, you know, they, they make a very good point. Is like, you can't call a digital copy theft because the original is still there, untouched. It, you know, it's 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 a new. You have to think about it in a new mode. However, people have gotten so accustomed to that that they think that they should get everything for free. And it's like, no. Like, listen, we still live. To borrow from the meme, we still live in a capitalist society. Right. Like, you should contribute to the people yeah. whose production you like because otherwise they will stop producing the things that you like. Yep. Which is why I buy tickets to shows I'm not sure I can go to because either way, I would like for Alex G to have 30 of my dollars. Right. Yeah. Or, or like shows like this where, like, we're all in separate places buying tickets to a show, right? Yeah. Or, like, I haven't got to weigh in with my wife on whether or not she wants to go see this band. I have a little extra cash. I'm just gonna buy the ticket, right. right? And if, sure, if it sells out early and I know that there are people that want, want to go to the show, I may throw back that back into a pool so someone else can enjoy it. But if it doesn't sell out and I buy a ticket I don't use, in my head, it's like, that's a little bit more money to these people. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad about that yeah. ever, ever. I mean, the, the, the... But I'm in a privileged position the, right. because I can afford when I was to in do college, that. When I was in college... I was downloading a lot of things for free, yeah. and now it's like I'm trying to make up for that. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm, like... Well, I, so look, I bought those tapes, uh, the cassette tapes, right, from um, <laughs> uh, Death's Dynamic Shroud. I have one rickety-ass tape player that I'm afraid would eat, eat them. like yeah, a yeah. fucking tape, right? Oh, so that's I'm you know what, so it's probably gonna happen, you know what? I'm probably never going to play those tapes. But it wouldn't it be so fun if like, you'll in get like 30, digital. 40 years I'll get it digitally. Like, and I have some of them digitally. One, and you're like, what a fun thing that would be. I have some yeah, exactly. Right. Well and I have I have uh, at least two of those digitally already. Yeah. 
And I, so when I went to the merch table, it was the dudes. It was before they were going on. That's tight. Uh, the two dudes. And just went up and they were like, yes, yeah, 10 bucks, like cash or Venmo for each tape. And uh, just had a non-awkward conversation with them. And <laughs> they're from Philly. And I was like, hey, what neighborhood are you from? Like, what neighborhood do you live in? They were like, oh, Northern Liberties. And I was like, oh, I used to live in Northern Liberties. Like, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. And they were super cool, uh, chill. Uh, I was like, I really like, I got this red tape called Sleepless. Uh, I, I listened to, like, I was really into it hard, like, about a month ago. And they were like, oh, you should, if you really dig this, you should check this one out. And this is, like, one of their new tapes. And, I'm, and, and their show was fucking awesome. So like, so to me, like, okay, I would say, I would say, like, let's take one step back if I can get slightly political. I I don't know, About like, I, someone did. I'm I'm just like, like, okay, like, I I 100% agree with you, Chris. Like, this is this is the system we're in, and like, so, like, hey, I, I want to support these people making this music that maybe isn't intended for popular consumption. Okay, fine, fair enough, cool. Like something <laughs> avant-garde or whatever. Right? It says right here. <laughs> um, but I also feel like um, like there's like a world that is hard to imagine because like we're just kind of bombarded with messages about how this is the way it is and this is the way it'll always be and this is the way it must be forever and ever and ever, which is not true. Yeah. And and like there's another world where uh, someone producing art and working and expressing themselves and creatively um, can be comfortable can live a comfortable life there is a world that that exists in for sure and that is a world that we can have probably if we want it eventually someday someone, can someone play some inspirational music uh, I, I was talking right over the inspirational like yeah. end of <laughs> I found a whistle but, anyway. yeah. but it stopped so <laughs> I didn't find the whistle yeah, yeah. yeah I mean if, listen if we want to turn this from a public health podcast into a, a, a podcast about economics and toes in all water the future, <laughs> the future of our society like yeah, like I feel like you know that's one of those things that goes away with austerity governments is like there you no longer see the things that support these people like you know we have capitalist based systems like the MacArthur Genius Grants that like reward the top one percent of the one percent for their contributions but like there used to be things where people would get like artist grants that were like a thousand dollars you know five thousand dollars like to someone who's selling millions of records that's meaningless but to somebody who's just starting out or who has a very niche sound, like that could be life-changing. And like you don't see that kind of stuff anymore because it's, you know, it's a handout or, or you know, all the other rhetoric that we're hearing these days with this Dude, but like, what's, the social what's, spending bill that we're dealing with what, right now. What's better, right? What's better, someone doing a useless fucking white-collar paper job or non-paper job, online job, where they're like moving around cells on a fucking spreadsheet or whatever it is, or... You know, and, and it actually adds very little to the economy, or it actually adds very little to well, any kind of like productive, real meaningful productive endeavor. Or, like, would you rather see, you know, for me, like, I'd much rather see that person uh, try their hand at expressing themselves creatively and like developing as a human being instead of doing these jobs. I've been around where, like, I just mm -hmm. see people have jobs and I'm just like, you're completely expendable. Like, well, there's this there's this whole movement now. There's this whole area of study that's emerging that's like, you know, work is 
At this point in 2021, we've gotten to the point where a lot of the work that's currently being done is bullshit. Yeah. And I think like the greatest example is the the, the great resignation, as, as they're calling it in the media. You know, more and more people are choosing to stay home and find other means of, of getting by yeah. rather than plonking themselves down in front of a fryer or a computer right. or what have you because they realize that like they're not factually contributing anything to the society that they live in right. and it's just drudgery right. that will inevitably in the next 10 or 15 years be replaced by machines. And so like we are very much at a crossroads in our society but like artists, to try and bring this back onto topic, yeah. artists have always been at the vanguard of that yeah. because it's so intangible, you know? Yeah. You cannot directly point at an album or, or, you know, a sound and say, look at how this has contributed right. to, yeah. our, to our well-being. But the funny thing is, is that on a long enough timeline, economists in particular have figured out how to quantify that. And it's like, you know what? Actually, these things do really, really help. Education and art are these two things that people point towards and they're like, eh, I don't know. But like on a long enough timeline, they do actually really, like if you have those two things and especially art, it is a great signifier of a healthy society. Uh, you, sure. you bring up this other this other point I think is very interesting, right? Which is, yeah, quantifiable, right? So, you know, I, I work in software. I had a software consulting company. Um, one of the things I've noticed coming from a humanities background, like a humanities education, liberal arts education, right? I had to write a lot, I had to think about things, I had to read things, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things you realize hanging out with a lot of people that didn't, wasn't exposed to that, right? They stopped reading like anything meaningful a long time ago, like when they were really young. So it's like they read, let's say, for example, Ayn Rand's like The Fountainhead. And then they stopped because oh you know because like 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 if you're in a CS program like it's pretty intensive like yeah. just like yeah. a, like a, just like kind it's of any hardcore, engineering yeah. program you don't necessarily have time for um, reading and then you get out of the habit and then so you're like your kind of mental development um, at least with regard to like let's say political thought or like sociology or any any anything like anything in the social sciences humanities it stops. And then what, what happens with a lot of these tech guys is they have like stunted development when it comes to that stuff, but then they're also empowered by the stuff that they build and they think they can do anything. Yeah. And what they want is like the fountainhead. Like they want that shit because they just don't read. They don't read, they don't learn. They don't like contextualize. Like they really think that they can like, you know, I don't know, software their way out of another fucking problem. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sad. If you look at like the greatest minds in history, they're all polymaths, right? Like they all delve into so many different topics. And I think like we have very much entered the era of the specialist, right? Yeah. Everyone's a specialist. You have to be a specialist to really succeed. Um, but like to the detriment of the, and it's like something that a lot of colleges are, are fighting against now or trying to with their curriculum is like, and you see people talk about this all the time. They're like, Okay, how do we reduce the cost of, of education, especially college education in the United States? Well, like, we don't need all these core courses. And it's like, no, no you, that do. you do. You absolutely need necessary. someone to force you to read a goddamn book. Right. Because, like... Well, and, and that's, like, that's a symptom of, like, the, the people around the educational system where we grew up, right? Like... When will I need algebra, right? No, 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 it's teaching your brain to do a trick, right? It's teaching <laughs> your brain to think in a different way. So, you know, 
summarizing what we've just said over the last like couple minutes, uh, we uh, as jacks of all trades in this at this table, right? As people who who delve in a number of different things, are the greatest minds of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I can completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, trying to bring it back on the topic, I do appreciate it, even if I don't like it per se. And the more I listen to this album, I think we've listened to it three times through already. Just sitting here talking. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the more I listen to it, the more I like it because I think I went in thinking that it was going to be a continu- exactly what everyone did in 2010. I thought right. it was going to be a continuation of Oracular Spectacular, and I was like, this is not what I expected. Right. But like, <laughs> the more I listen to it at work in the background, like the more I I gain to like it, and I appreciate an artist that tries something different, strikes out in a different direction, you know, takes that risk, and I'm inspired by that. I'm yeah, inspired. Absolutely. I'm inspired to take risks. Yeah. Like I'm inspired because like, the worst thing that could happen. Is that it's a failure, right? Well, I I've had many failures, <laughs> and the the I've best thing that, the best thing that happens is it's it's memorable and unique, right? Yeah. Like I I to pull on the place to be a stranger show from last night, right? Like like within three minutes uh, there was a broken guitar, right? And it was you know. Created by the chaos of the show. Their sound is chaotic. It's dissonant, right? It's challenging. It's not like, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to catch a new melody and it's going to really, like, hit that sweet spot that I can dance to. No. It's like, you have a driving bass line, you have that industrial sound, and then it becomes chaos. But, like, throwing that guitar around, like, smashing it into a microphone, like throwing up the smoke and swinging a light around while feedback plays, right? Like, picking up your instruments, leaving the stage, showing up three quarters of the way through the audience to play, like, an industrial tribal beat in the middle of the people that are at the back of the crowd, like, for ten minutes before you move back to the stage and continue the show, creates a unique experience that engages the brains of the people experiencing it in a way that they didn't expect that's maybe uncomfortable for some of them but like is probably inspirational for a number of them right and that that improves society right like maybe it doesn't create like a uh, you know a new revenue stream by which like some asshole can like exploit it and get rich off of but like what it does do is it challenges the people in the crowd to think about the thing they're experiencing in a different way. And that is what leads and to I a better think so, so, so conclusion is that listen to this record and we'll have a better society. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Congratulations. We'll I'm have com- a better society. I'm completely convinced of that. Um, any other kind of rounding thoughts on the record? Any other songs? Any other anything? Like spare thoughts? Uh, what do we, we talk? How do we get here? Um... <laughs> I mean, I, Sorry, I, I, I don't know if that, that was maybe a slightly awkward transition. I'm just, I, I was one of those, what was it, the seven people, Lewis, that uh, was relieved that it wasn't oracular spectacular. Yeah. That was a huge relief for me. Not yeah. huge, maybe not huge, but I was just kind of like, oh, all right, it's going to be that kind of a two weeks. And then I was so happy that it was a better two weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that 
you know, if you look at my cut, there's only four songs on it, and it might lead you to suspect that maybe I didn't enjoy this album, which is misleading. Um, have y'all have y'all run through what your cuts are yet? No. Well, uh, we've looked at them. Well, yeah. I'm, so, well, okay, you're the only one that has Lady Dada's Nightmare. I, That's I was, interesting. I was saying that more for the for the sake of the listener because they don't have the document. Yeah, everybody does this. Well, no. Well, so I put all the I put all that information in yeah, the okay, in gotcha, the notes gotcha. in the podcast episode. So I, we're good. But but that is interesting that you're. You're the only one that's late to Dawson Nightmare. I mean, uh, as is always the case, if it, I think I think if you <laughs> saw my, the notes, it's no, if you saw the numbers, yeah, it makes per it, like that's how I arrive at these lists because yeah. the first three songs on there are five stars, and that hasn't happened in a while. Yeah. It's been a while since somebody else's pick got three five star songs. Lady Dawson Nightmare was next at number four. And the rest of them fell at three or below, so like it's it's it makes it very easy yeah. to get my, <laughs> it makes it very easy to make my cuts. I'm excited to see those nodes in person. Can you start scanning them and submitting oh. them as part of this? <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm looking at the notes. We spent a long time talking about Brian Eno. Not a whole lot of time talking about the song itself. Yeah. You have it as a 2.5. Yeah, I don't like that song. I think I'm, I'm upset about it in a way because <laughs> it's one of my least favorite songs on the record. I what I think about. The like I think it's nice that they're paying homage to someone who deserves that that yeah, recognition. Right. I like that about it. I'm mad that they made such a goofy like insincere <laughs> it's goofy, song. It's a pretty goofy song. It, it's like it, it give the man the respect he deserves musically. But you know that's it expresses fine. a petty emotion. Yeah, that I can sort of sympathize yeah. with. Yeah, of yeah. like yeah. God damn it, you know. Like, <laughs> I think it's frivolity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like I went into this album. Because I, I don't have a really strong MGMT hand. I went into this song, this album with songs from Miraculous Spectacular in my head, thinking like, uh, I'll have to like, I'll have to listen to these again, and I'll like, I'll enjoy it, and I'll have to find other things in the album other than them to talk about because like I already have them in my head, and I haven't even started listening to this yet. And it was lovely to like get into it and realize, oh great, all those songs that were drilled into my brain aren't going to be a part of this experience. And I'm going to get to like weave my way through tracks that I vaguely remembered or like forgot were on the album. And I I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but but I'm going to sit here and like bob along because it did make my cut because. It is silly, and I enjoy it. We can pause. Let's, let, we can pause real quick. Yeah, that's fine. We're not. We're not. Straight. live.